When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store. And while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash freelance. Or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language. Order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. I left my job knowing that I was going to take a massive pay cut. I probably made half of the money that I made at my corporate job. Maybe I had $12,000 that I saved. So I had a solid cushion that like, if in three months or six months, this was a very bad idea, I have enough experience and I still, still had a good relationship with my boss that I could go find another corporate job. Yeah, I was just gonna make it work. I was, I was done. I was, it was gonna work, or at least I was gonna try and make it work. And if it didn't, couple, couple months down the drain, and I go back and do something else. I'm Brandon Hull, and you're listening to Freelance the Founder, where we tell the real stories of solopreneurs who've scaled their businesses to something much bigger than themselves. Here's a question for you. Do you talk yourself out of being amazing? You've got loads of talent and all the opportunity in the world right there in front of you, but you slide step out of the spotlight. Or maybe you avoid taking chances. That's what we're talking about in today's episode of Freelance to Founder. Our show features Sarah Morgan. You probably know her online as XOSarah. She's at XOSarah.com. Sarah should be the blogging and Pinterest poster child for those wanting to break free of freelance life and grow their own business. Is she a millionaire? No, but she's done big things. She's on her own. She's got a virtual assistant who's helping her scale and grow. She's happily escaped the corporate life. And today, you hear her story. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. 
Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. So they took over essentially the whole design of our website. We were in a group of 11 or so TV stations. And um, so I had very little design input and I wasn't even coding anything. I would code like a link or an image, but the actual website, it was like, fill out this form and then it makes the box. And I was just like, I hate this so much. <laughs> so that that is what shoved me over the edge really, where I was like, this is the worst. Like this is not fun at all. And I went like full, office space and was like totally checked out. I was doing my work. I was turning things in. I was a good worker, but I was a very checked out employee. Sarah had been blogging since she was 13 years old up to that point, all the way through college, blogging on her own and as a freelancer for others' personal brands. She stopped when she started that first job out of college but the boredom stirred the desire to get it going again. But why was she even blogging in the first place? Well, Sarah's from the camp that says, yes. In fact, this is how she says it. Yeah, you never know how amazing you might be if you just say yes to something. We spend more time on the, what if this fails, than what do I get if it actually works? The default to yes started at an early age. Sarah was the oldest of two girls. And this is what life was like. Oh, <laughs> I laugh because I, uh, my immediate thought is I was like the bossy older sister. Um, for sure. Uh, I was like the ringleader. I was like, we're going to play teacher, but I'm the teacher. Or we're going to play dance class, but I'm the teacher. And I want to rehearse this dance that I just made up 50 times while my sister or my cousins who are younger than me they want to do it twice and then they want to go play on the swing set. And I'm like, 
but this dance has not been perfected yet. My lovely five and eight year old <laughs> friends, we need to keep going. Yeah, I was a I was a teeny tiny perfectionist from the very start and a diligent worker. I think part of it stems, at least now, stems a little bit from anxiety and not wanting to screw up or look bad. So if I practice a lot or get all my ducks in a row, there's less of a chance of that happening. And I think that probably was a, a little piece of it back then. I like checking boxes and saying, I did that, or I can do that. I think that shapes a little bit of what I feel proud about in myself is being able to do things. I did a lot of like dance classes and I remember my mom, I have like a super distinct memory because she has repeated this a few times, but she said when I was five years old in a dance class and had done a recital, she said, oh, well, you were the only one who knew all of the moves and could dance to the music. And that stuck in my brain and I was like, oh, so I get recognition and people are proud of me when I get all the steps right and when I'm the best. And I still like getting all the steps right and being the best. <laughs> there was a definite confidence about her. Maybe a little cockiness, you might say. She'd see something and instantly know how it should work and what she should do with it. I was very um, creative and crafty. And I, um, I could see something on TV and just decide I was going to make it. And I never had that... Um, like voice in the back of my head that was like, oh, you can't do that. Or no, that won't work. I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to do this. And sometimes it, it worked and sometimes it totally didn't. And I was fine either way, but I always could kind of um, see the entire creative process and the step-by-step, -step, uh, all the steps of what I should do to get to that end goal. So there's the second key. It's motivating to hear someone who embraces the yes, but you still have to fight through the fear or adversity that might come later. Successful entrepreneurs seem to be especially good at this. For some things, if I really just want to do it, I'm good at putting those fears away or just having them and doing it anyway. Um, so I have a little bit, I can't say like hundred percent, I'm brave and courageous all the time and I just do whatever I want and I don't care. I do care. Um, but I'm pretty good at putting things aside, compartmentalizing any fear or, uh, worry that I have and just trying things anyway. I teach, uh, aerial arts and I have taught kids for a, a while and I'm now teaching adults and there's a very big difference in the things that kids will try versus the adults. There's a lot more thinking and pausing and trying to figure out if they have it right before they try anything or if they go to try it, is it actually going to work? And so I get people who are literally holding onto the silk, staring at it for minutes, not doing anything. And I have to come by and say like, just throw your legs up into the air, see what happens, and then we can adjust from there. I can't help you if I can't see how well you're gonna do this. So I assume you caught that mention of the aerial arts. For those of you who are familiar with Sarah, you knew it was coming up at some point, but for those who aren't, well. Yeah, I had a terrible breakup and I was 
wanting something to do with my mind pretty much. Um, I went looking for a dance class or a yoga class and one of my blogger friends who I'd never met but also lived in Detroit said, I saw these people perform, they have this circus school, let's go and sign up for classes. So we signed up for an eight week session. I was very, very bad because I hadn't worked out. I mean, technically I had never worked out in my entire life. I did dance classes, but that was not a crazy workout. This was a crazy workout and I was awful. Um, but it was a really good mental challenge. It was a really good physical challenge. I remember the day after and I literally couldn't use my arms. That's how little upper body strength I had that I like was broken after one class, but I was hooked. I think it kind of, um, helped me turn off my perfectionism for a little bit because I was really terrible at the beginning. Back then I couldn't do anything and there was lots of like falling on the ground and, you know, awkwardly getting stuck in things. So it maybe also helped me be okay with being bad at something in front of a lot of people. Okay. Seriously, guys, have you watched aerial arts? It's creative and beautiful, no doubt, but it takes strength and serious courage as well. I mean, I'm over here eating Pringles in my free time and Sarah Morgan's 20 feet in the air, her life preserved only by a single leg wrapped around silk and one arm hanging on. Sarah's been doing it for years now, though, even after moving from Detroit to San Diego, even after making extra income showcasing her talent with a team of performers at NBA games. See, you say yes to things, you just don't learn new hobbies. You open up new income opportunities. Sarah said yes to the circus. She said yes to freelancing. And here's where the pivot comes. Yeah, about, I want to say like halfway into my corporate job, I started taking on some freelance clients. I was just doing web design for other bloggers. And, you know, I had no like marketing experience. I wasn't really thinking about building a business, I wanted a creative outlet. And I knew that there was um, kind of an uptick and more people starting to use blogging as journals or as part of their business. And there was a lot of ugly websites. <laughs> so it was like, I just posted a blog post and said, hey, I'll do this. It's really cheap. I can make a web design for you or I can make a logo for you. And I had a, a few people email me and sign up and I did those and then it just again just snowballed and I kept doing more and figuring out how to create services and contracts and promote myself at the beginning I had no contract I was just like yes send me $50 person on the internet I will send you a logo <laughs> oh it was just like all creativity I had People had like colors they wanted or they wanted like a script versus like block lettering, but I got to be super creative and it was very different than the work I was doing in my corporate job and it was fun and the people were fun and nobody was wearing like suits or using corporate speak on me. Um, so it was just like completely different from what I was doing in my day job. Yeah, it was probably like two years of like the first year, a little more being very casual and then really realizing that I was getting enough clients that I could potentially make it into a business. I was performing and teaching Ariel, so that was a little more income. And then I was really hating my job. <laughs> and I eventually decided in one year, 
I'm going to leave my job. I have enough clients that I can use this to grow. I can start blogging more. I can turn it into an actual business. Um, and so I gave myself a year and then my boss at my review was like, you don't have passion for your job anymore. Why don't you work Saturdays? And I was like sheer panic for about 20 minutes. And I went to my desk and was like, mm -hmm, yeah, that's a great idea. That sounds really good. Uh, and wrote down a list of all the things that I needed to do or get before I could leave. And then like two weeks later, he called me, maybe it was longer, maybe like a month. He called me into his office and said, okay, like in the next couple of weeks, we want to transition you into this new schedule. And I was like, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to quit. <laughs> As she said at the top of the show, she left her job knowing there was going to be that income drop, but she planned for it ahead of time. Having learned a lot about what it takes to start a personal blog, she felt ready to teach others. And she turned to one of her best friends for help. Their name? Um, Google, I believe is, is their name. <laughs> I am an excellent Googler. I think it comes from teaching myself web design and having to Google everything and pick through people's code and figure things out on my own. Uh, yeah, I just Googled everything. So I started my first ebook or launched my first ebook, I want to say in like 2013 or 2014. Um, and again, I had no idea what I was doing. I wrote this book about growing your blog traffic because I had had a ton of growth when I got really serious about my blog and was turning it into a business. So I put all of that into an ebook, but I didn't have an email list. Social media was like kind of starting, but I don't think, um, at, at large people had really started using it as a promotional tool. It was still like fun, like post pictures and talk to people on the internet. And so I launched this book with like a blog post being like, I made this thing. Do you want it? And then in 2016 was when I had my last clients and fully transitioned into selling info products. She launched those first few products while still largely relying on client work as her primary income source. But she wanted to get out of that client work. She wanted to produce products. You've heard that countless times on Freelance to Founder. When we come back, you'll hear how Sarah was able to transition from custom web designer to product builder. Hey friends, if you like Freelance to Founder, we want to hear from you. We've talked to a super lineup of entrepreneurs from across the world and with a long lineup of skills, but we want to talk to you too. So shoot me a tweet at Brandon Hull or an email at shows at Milo.co and give us your feedback on the show. What have our stories done for you in changing your focus or your success? We want to know. Also, if you enjoy the Freelance to Founder podcast, you'll also love The Mentors, a new podcast from twin brothers Sergey and Vadim, who've coached entrepreneurs from the ground up to avoid giving up too early. Here's a snippet. It's always better when you do it, um, when you leave your job, because you have to, because you have so much demand, there's so much proof that there's a need for this business that you absolutely have to quit your job. You're way too busy. Look them up on your favorite podcast player by searching for The Mentors or visit thementors.co. Yeah, so I kind of added things as I went. I did, um, let's see, I did a second ebook and then I started making courses, I wanna say in 2015 and kind of 
again, not really knowing how to create like a product suite or um, products that people would take the first one and then do the second, third, fourth one. I just was like, this is super fun. I have my client work, that's my main income. I'm just gonna make a ton of courses and I probably launched like five or six things all in one year. Um, so like the, the idea that that could potentially take over my client income became a reality really fast. Sarah Morgan went from custom web design work to her first ebook to another ebook and started building these how-to courses in 2015. She was primed to make the leap to more of a product-based business and leave her client work behind her. Now, it's not for everyone, but here's how Sarah went about it. And people are buying things and they're interested and they're communicating with me. Um, yeah, so just seeing that growth and kind of the same thing with leaving my corporate job, I saw the growth that was happening. I was not fully covering my my client uh, income with products, but I saw that that had the potential to go there. And so I just, like, I don't enjoy working one-on-one with people. I'm handing off websites that they don't know what to do with or they're struggling and I'm getting a lot of emails. So if I make the courses that go along with that, there's a ton of other web designers. They can get a web design, but all of the other stuff, there was not a lot of courses. Yeah, I didn't want to be the tech support person. That's what I never, ever did that. I never made a website that included like a year of support. Like I made the website, it's done. If you have any major technical issues, like I screwed something up, of course, but I'm not doing continuous updates or blog posts, blog posts or, you know, um, so yeah, but I did want, I wanted to help them with the other piece of that, of what do I put on this very nice blog that you built for me? Or I made this often. It looks really good. Lots of people are signing up through it. What am I supposed to send them? Well, the funny thing is, and it, it kind of parallels leaving my job in that I started my blog and grew a little bit of an audience. And then I was like, does anybody want this thing for $50? Would, would you trust me to just send me money on the internet? You know, you start little, you do a little bit more, a little bit more, and you're like, that thing worked. What if I do this other thing that's like a little bit more scary? And it's the exact same thing with silks. Start people on the ground. They're a foot off the ground. I'm constantly saying, if you fall, you're a foot off the ground. And then once they're comfy there, then they personally feel okay going up two climbs into the air or going up to the top of the silk. So it's it's the same thing. You do baby steps, you take a little tiny risk at a time, and you're never going from zero to 100. Time for a crazy drop on your first day. It just not, it doesn't happen. So it sounds all swimming, doesn't it? She seems to really have it figured out at this point. But it wasn't always this easy. She was just like you when she got started. She loved the writing part, but wasn't exactly sure how to put all the pieces together. Gated content, premium digital products, generating traffic through social channels. Maybe she's one of your mentors. Who are hers? Yeah, I had a few people that I had connected with. One of them in my one of the courses. She was a student in my course. Um, just a few random people who I would Skype with every once in a while. And they would be like, I'm having this problem. And I'm like, I have that problem too. This is so awful. How do we fix it? Or like, you know, I just went through this and now I can help you or you went through that and now you can help me. 
So it was just very casual. And then um, in 2015, 2016, I ended up getting asked to join just a small mastermind. We met in Mexico for a week and everybody talked through all of the issues they were having and like shared ideas. Um, so we've met twice with that group. And then we have a Facebook group that we post in every once in a while with anybody, anytime anyone has an issue that they're working through. Um, yeah. And I've gone to a few like business, um, like San Diego meetup kind of things for women entrepreneurs, which was really good because most of the people in those groups are offline business owners, which is like a whole other set of problems. And also a lot of their problems were related to social media. So I got to like pick their brains to make my content better. Having a group of like-minded solopreneurs you can kind of jam with is important. But I mentioned getting traffic through social channels a minute ago too. For Sarah, Pinterest became her go-to resource and it still is. When we talked last season with Michelle Schrader-Gardner of Making Sense of Sense, she talked about how important it is to dedicate time to promoting and marketing your content, not just creating it. Sarah is right there with her. Yeah, I had a post kind of go viral. I had a few people on Pinterest that pinned it who had hundreds of thousands or over a million followers, and I ended up with a ton of traffic. Um, and I had been using Pinterest a little bit, kind of casually, um, scheduling some pins through uh, a service called Tailwind. And um, when I got all of that traffic, I really realized that that's an extremely valuable asset and I'm not spending a lot of time on it. I'm not creating extra content. Like on Instagram, I'm taking photos and I'm writing captions. And once those go out, I don't post them again. For Pinterest, I'm just pinning my own content. The images are already done. The captions are already done because they're the alt text that are attached to the images. And I, I went through and I loaded my Pinterest queue this morning and it took me maybe 10 minutes to just auto schedule a ton of my blog posts into this thing and that will pin for me for the next uh, two weeks almost. So that was one of the big reasons, is one of the big reasons that I tell people to get on Pinterest because any niche, you'll find pins in there already and you don't have to do a lot of extra work. It's a 10 minute task or maybe I spend an hour on Sunday and I schedule the entire month. So as I mentioned, it was a go-to channel for her to pull in traffic then and it still is a valuable resource today. Yes, I literally used it today filled up my queue, um, and it still brings in over 90% of my traffic. Yeah, which is like, I'm not not super into putting all my eggs into one basket. That's a little, I'm a little uncomfortable with that number because it's so crazy. Um, but it, it just brings in a ton of traffic and I don't have to do a lot of work. And I think it is is female dominated, but if you have great content in any niche, just go into Pinterest type into the search bar, whatever your couple of main blog topics are or your business and see what comes up. And if there's already content, you need to be posting your content to Pinterest as well. Even if you are a dude, you can't do things randomly. If you want those, you know, 10,000 followers, hundred thousand followers, like the people with crazy Instagram accounts, 
they're scheduling everything in advance. They're writing their captions really strategically. They're pinning at sp- or they're uh, Instagramming at specific times. Nothing they're doing is random, even though it looks random. Um, and there's probably somebody helping them do it as well. I hear people all the time say like, oh, it would be so fun to be an Instagram influencer. You just like take photos and post. And I'm like, oh, no, that's a full time job. You have no idea. <laughs> if she were starting out today, though, and make no mistake, she still feels strongly that you can start out today with blogging as long as you go about it with a plan. She does have some questions for you to think about, though. I like to ask people what their their purpose is. For, for writing their blog, because oftentimes there is a, a specific purpose, but they haven't taken the time to write anything down or really think about it. They have like an idea or like a feeling of their purpose. I want them to write specifically like, what is your end goal, like your super selfish end goal with doing this? And also why are your readers showing up to hang out with you? Why are they showing up for that information, but also why are they hanging out with you specifically? Because there's a million blogs, there's no way that you're the only one writing about that subject. And I think that um, that helps them understand the importance of what they're posting. And when you feel like what you are posting is important, at least some or most of the time, it's a lot easier to be consistent and to send out the emails that feel a little uncomfortable and uh, to do things like going live or really talking to your audience and asking questions and getting to know what they're working on. Um, Because without that, it's just like random, I'm posting whatever, I'm trying to make some money. It's like, but what specifically? Like, do you want to pay your rent? Do you want to buy a Ferrari? What kind of money do you want? Do you want to leave your job and your house and travel the world? You have to have a dollar number. Yeah, so I would get that like really solid purpose, mission statement, and set up a consistent online presence so that all of your, like your domain matches all of your social media handles and that your design is consistent and you have branding. So that when people see your posts, on Pinterest or pops up in Facebook, they know that it's your stuff without seeing your name or your blog name. Um, And not worrying so much about growing a massive audience and instead focusing on getting to know the couple of people that show up and stick around from day one for the first couple of months. Because if you are friendly and interested in what they're doing, they will give you a lot of feedback that you can use to create better content, better promotional posts. If you end up doing products, you create better products because they've already asked for whatever they need. And also like Michelle, she has those thoughts on your writing strategy. Yeah, I think most people think that they need to blog multiple days a week, which for most people you don't. You're right, you need uh, time to promote things and your audience needs time to work through your post or try your recipe or your tutorial. And if you give them five recipes in a week, they're not going to do anything. They're just going to save all of those continuously and not, you know, maybe they'll try one or two out of the like 50 that you posted. Um, Yeah. So focusing on like one really solid piece of content every week and knowing how much time you actually take to make that piece of content. Is it 30 minutes of taking photos 
or is it three hours? Because if you think it's 30 minutes, but you're actually taking three hours with all the editing and graphics, you're never going to get through that post in a week. Um, yeah, so a lot of time management is really helpful. And also, once you have that purpose and know that what you're creating is important, it's a little bit easier to like wiggle that into your schedule if you have a day job or other things going on. Sarah's built a really comfortable business for herself in an extremely expensive part of the world to live in, San Diego, California. She's grown so much that she's now able to hand off all of her social media duties to a new employee. Yeah, I have a virtual assistant who actually moved to San Diego last year. So we get to meet up in person, which is cool. Um, Yeah, she does a lot of scheduling for me, a lot of editing so that I don't, you know, if I did not send it to her in time for editing, if I sent out an email and there's a typo in the in the subject line, which I totally have done. I'm like, it's okay. I, I, I gave it a thrice over. I read it. And uh, yeah, there was a typo right in the subject line. And multiple people were like, did you mean to do that? No, I didn't. I was uh, behind on my schedule and did not send it over to Casey. Um, but yeah, I hired her um, in 2016, maybe the end of 2016. And so I had, I have like a backup of somebody editing and scheduling um, and forcing me to stick to my deadlines when I put things into our project management system, which is very helpful. I mean, I had enough extra income to be able to invest in her, but it was more of like a sanity based decision where I, I was just drowning a little bit in all of the admin work. I, I needed someone to take some of that or else the quality of the stuff and the consistency of the stuff that I was sending out to my readers and my audience was not going to get better. And it would probably get worse because the more you grow, the more of that backend admin stuff there ends up being. So she's grown from bossy big sister in Michigan to self-employed and growing blogger and business builder in San Diego. That's the story of Sarah Morgan, XO Sarah. But before we let her run, she's got a few final thoughts. Does she ever look back? Does she ever wonder if growing from freelance work on the side to full-time digital entrepreneur was the wrong decision? You probably know the answer to that. I mean, she is the gal who says yes to being amazing. The one who defaults to yes. I know you're looking for like a story of like, I was so scared. It was really hard, but I loved it. (laughs) I feel like some, I feel like that is the, a lot of people's experience is that it is really scary. I also was not and am not married and I don't have kids. I have my weird dog, Um, you know, so that, my transition was now I get to, and I transitioned at the end of May, which in Michigan is beautiful. So instead of being in an office eight hours a day, watching the clock the entire time and being annoyed by everyone, I was by myself on my deck, eating breakfast, checking my email, talking with my clients, designing and being creative and writing blog posts. And it was the best thing ever. I was all, no fear at all. I did have that panic when I was like, holy shit, it's about to happen. I'm about to leave my job. And then once I kind of like settled down and knew that I could pay my bills with the money I'm making right now and I can take on more clients now that I have more time, I transitioned straight into like, I can't believe I did this. This is amazing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Freelance to Founder. 
Coming up next, Justin Jackson. That doesn't work. Despair doesn't work. What really works is getting back in touch with your customers and listening. So if you haven't done that in a while, if you haven't talked to a customer and said, you know, what's going on right now? How can I help you? What, what are you struggling with in your business? What, what's the main obstacle to this? Then uh, you, you need to do that. That's, that is, there, there's no other way to get unstuck. For all of us here at Millo, and that's M-I-L-L-O, we'll catch you next time on Freelance to Founder. <laughs>